Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. The Bay Area is home to some of the largest Afghan communities in the country. And for the past few months, people in those communities have been working overtime to support refugees who have recently escaped Afghanistan. Like, as Afghans, if you know them and um, someone is from your own country, it feels very good. Today, how Afghans in the Bay are welcoming new refugees. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. As we were thinking about Afghan refugees coming to the Bay Area, of course, we first thought about Southern Alameda County. Taiki Hendricks is senior editor of immigration for KQED. Fremont is a longstanding uh, Afghan community here. 
Um, but a lot of the resettlement is actually happening further east in the Bay Area and even all the way up in Sacramento because housing is a little bit more affordable, not to say affordable, but a little less expensive. There are two different uh, refugee resettlement agencies in the Bay Area, and Jewish Family and Community Services is one of them. And their Concord office has been really active and busy helping the new Afghan arrivals get settled. We got there in the morning. The first place we stopped actually was at a big uh, storage warehouse in Walnut Creek uh, that, that the agency has rented, and that was chock full with bureaus and tables and chairs and lamps and mattresses. Microwave, towels, Hygiene. set of pots and pans, pillows, comforters, beach shade, and all this stuff. One of the staff members there, a case manager and a volunteer from the agency, was uh, met a brand new arrival, a man who arrived on a special immigrant visa. They had the minivan. They had actually rented a U-Haul to absorb some furniture and things. And uh, the first thing on their agenda was mattresses. This couple has five kids, and they need a place to sleep. And so that was the number one thing they were looking for there. And at the same time, there were, in the office, there were case managers who were meeting and talking together and working on housing, which is the biggest struggle to find housing that can be afforded on this not very generous stipend that the government gives to new refugees. And for the Bay Area, it doesn't stretch very far, especially if you're a family of seven. take stuff downstairs in a courtyard, and the families comes and pick it up. Fauzia Azizi is the director of refugee services at uh, the Jewish Family and Community Services here in the East Bay. And she uh, herself is Afghan and grew up there, but uh, fled the country in 1994 when the Taliban first took power. Uh, spent a lot of years in refugee camp in Pakistan, and she and her family came to the U.S. as refugees. And I came with my husband and my children. They were young at that time, uh, year in uh, August 2006. And a lot of her staff, because they happen to be Afghans themselves, they have a particular familiarity with the history of their country and the languages and the kinds of experiences that these particular arrivals are feeling right now. But they're really working, I think, night and day on this. They had 12 Afghans arrive in July, which I think was more than an ordinary number. Then they had 80 in August. Each one of the family, it's a combination of a single client's family of two individuals, family of seven, family of six, family of four and five. And these are all Afghans? These are all Afghans. This is just this one East Bay office of this one agency. Um, but yeah, there are, I think, more than 2,000 Afghans who've come into California in the last couple of months, and most of them to the Bay Area and Sacramento, really Northern California.
The Bay Area, as you just mentioned, is home to some of the largest Afghan-American communities in the country. Um, can you tell me again how many Afghan and Afghan-Americans live in the Bay Area? I will say it's a little squishy to, to get those kinds of numbers. Um, I just actually saw the Chronicle had reported that a couple years ago in a census survey found about 65, 66,000 Afghans in the Bay Area, people who claim Afghan ancestry. So that could be people who were born there and also people who were born here to Afghan parents. Um, so that's a, you know, substantial number. And, and Taiki, for how long have people been coming to the Bay Area from Afghanistan? You know, Afghanistan has experienced 40 years of war and upheaval of different sorts, beginning with the Soviet invasion, um, then a period, you know, with you know, the Taliban coming to power and then the U.S. Uh, presence there. And so there's just been a lot of violence and upheaval. And, you know, really for the last 40 years or more, uh, there have been, you know, several waves of Afghans coming to the United States and seeking to to build a new life here. And the, you know, the Bay Area has been has been at the center of a lot of that. My parents, you know, escaped the the war and um, they were seeking political asylum. That was the goal of coming to the United States. Aisha Wahab is a councilwoman for the city of Hayward. She's actually the mayor pro tem there. And she also serves on the board of a longstanding organization in Fremont called the Afghan Coalition. So she has been immersed in this work uh, of serving the Afghan community and her broader community there in Hayward for many, many years. Her parents died when she was young, and she spent a number of years in foster care and then was actually adopted by another Afghan refugee couple in uh, Alameda County. And they were people, by Aisha's account, who were very involved in serving their community and helping we welcome new refugees. My, my father was deeply active. He started the Afghan Association a long time ago, and he talks about even opening up bank accounts for them, you know, sponsoring them, you know, so many Afghans sleeping in our living room. And she's very much made that her own life's work, as well as serving the city of Hayward and, and all of its populations. What is Councilmember Wahab seeing from Afghan Americans right now, particularly younger ones? She knows, you know, dozens of other young Afghan Americans who have just sort of put their lives aside to respond to this crisis and this situation, you know, beginning with the fall of Afghanistan and uh, friends who have taken leaves of absence from their work for a month, for two months to uh, help hook people up with medical services, with legal services to provide translation, interpretation services. I will say a lot of young Afghans have really, truly stepped up. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. But it's, again, because they've seen their parents struggle. Um, they were always the interpreter for their parents, you know, um, in the U.S., filling out paperwork, DMV paperwork, you know, job applications, you name it. Um, so we've seen it firsthand. So we know exactly what's going to be needed. Mm -hmm. 
What does uh, Councilmember Wahab say about how people are adjusting and what some of the barriers that different people face when they arrive here for the first time? She has seen that the women are often the ones, as she described it and as others have have described, who have a little more uh, challenge. What tends to happen is that the interpreters speak English, but their wives and children do not. These are also very different cultural slash familial setups. So it can be a little harder for women to find their footing and their place in in their new community and in their families. Uh, the women who still have to be under, you know, these rigid cultural norms, they may not be able to potentially get a job or they may not have even been educated even in Afghanistan. So the acclimation for Afghan women coming to the U.S. is going to be far more important and far more difficult than pretty much anybody else. For many women who have arrived here from Afghanistan, connecting with other Afghan women has been really important. And because the Bay Area has been a landing place for generations of Afghan refugees, there are many Afghans who are well-equipped to support this latest generation of people fleeing the country. I want to transition now, Taiki, to to someone um, who was actually also made this transition to the U.S. relatively recently. Can you introduce me to Nazia Gabar? I talked with Nazia Gabar at her home in San Leandro, where she works from home. How old are your boys? Uh, He is four, and my other son is two and a half. Okay, wow. And she came to the U.S. on a special immigrant visa about four years ago with her husband and her older child, who was then a baby. She is university educated. She's an English speaker, as is her husband. And even though they had support from refugee agencies, you know, they found the transition challenging. We were very, like, stressful about everything because um, there was no home, uh, no jobs. We didn't have any money. Like we were like, and also their rent was very high that time. So uh, of course it's also now, but like at that time it was very hard for us. That like how they were very fortunate to have um, some friends from Afghanistan who had come here a couple years ahead of them, and helped pave the way. And Nazia said. Afghans that we had just met were so forthcoming and so helpful. They provided transportation for us to go to the Alameda County to have some social services from there and then uh, go to the appointments, like um, health um, medical appointments, and also like some resources of colleges and where to work, how to start where to live, which... So there really was this network of support that they walked into, and that made the transition a lot easier for them. And so what I found with Nasia and also her husband is that they are finding ways to give back and to really pay it forward, the support that they received. Okay, so can you see my screen? Okay, great. So Nasia teaches English classes to Afghan women. 
And when I visited her, she was teaching classes over Zoom at her kitchen table. Um, she designed a lesson around a very practical experience, which is calling a doctor's office to make an appointment. So whenever you call the doctor, of course, you will have like different problems, right? Yeah, like uh, Khadija said, I have a stomachache. So and so she had her students over the Zoom playing the role of the receptionist and the patient and, you know, taking turns um, practicing the vocabulary and, and those interactions. What, what time good for you? Um, can I come? How has Nazia's work been ramping up recently? Has she been doing a lot more work recently, like so many other people um, who are who are connected to the community? Nazia teaches two English classes a day at her kitchen table over Zoom. Uh, the refugee service agency that she works for has asked her to add more classes. I am like eager to teach them because I met many Afghan in my neighborhood that they don't, didn't know English language and they were really stressful about that because they had problems. They couldn't come go to the um, shopping malls. They couldn't go to the doctor to make an appointment. And she wants to do it. She also has a a part-time job doing bookkeeping for another organization, and she's got a two-year-old and a four-year-old at home. So Nazia and her husband are both, um, you know, very much engaged with serving these refugees uh, who are arriving now, and they have so much first-hand experience to bring to bear. Um, like, as Afghans, if you know them, and um, someone is from your own country, it feels very good. Taiki, we've mainly been talking about practical needs like getting furniture, learning English, but I feel like an even harder need to meet is the emotional side of things. And I want to come back to the very first person we heard from, Fauja Azizi with JFCS East Bay, who herself fled Afghanistan in the 90s. How is she thinking about this part of the process and how she can help? Yeah, I think... There are these these two different layers, and one is practical, and of course we all need a place to call home, a roof over our head, a source of income, health care, you know, those are necessary, but there's this other layer underneath it, which is help processing the tremendous upheaval and the trauma that you've been through, and help finding connection and community and your own sense of purpose and your own capacities in a new place so that refugees aren't just coming as victims of, of some bad experience, but they also have resources that they bring with them. So I think even in providing the pots and pans or providing the groceries, you know, the folks that Fauzia and her staff what they're providing or, or teaching an English class like Nazia is doing, there's, there's heart in it. And there's a way that you can give people a sense that like you're not alone. Uh, I have been there 
And when I see my clients and sometimes they are trying to explain their situations, so I just say that you don't need to tell me. I have been there and I have been in that shoes. I live that life and I know exactly what you feel. And then the other thing she said is to have a staff of people who were themselves refugees who are now doing this work and serving new arrivals and helping welcome them and helping them adjust, just by their very presence there, they serve as models for the new arrivals. And somebody who has come through a lot and say, hey, like once they were in my shoes and now they're doing all right. And now they have a job here, their kids grow up here, and now they are in a position to be able to help us. So there is a hope. When it's a hope, it's the healing process is a possibility there. Taiki, thank you so much. It's my great pleasure. Thank you. Taiki Hendricks is KQED's senior editor for immigration. For more info on JFCS East Bay and its efforts to resettle Afghan refugees, check out the link in our show notes. This episode of The Bay was cut by me, and it was scored by Aditi Pandamudi, who also added the tape. We got additional production support by our editor, Alan Montecilio. I also wanted to take some time to shout out a very special member of our team who has helped us take this show to a whole other level, and that's Isabeth Mendoza. She's helped us with our short-run newsletter, and she's also created some of the really amazing online content that you might have seen for our By the People series. It is her last week at KQED, and we are so sad. But on behalf of the Bay and all our listeners, I just wanted to say thank you for being you, Isa. The Bay is a production of your local public media station, KQED. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find our show. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. That's it for The Bay this week. Talk to you Monday. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 